Good morning. We're going to be reading from Matthew 10. At this point, we're going to be reading verses 1 to 5. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Cracker. Really glad to be with you this morning. Um, As Kieran said, you have joined us on a great morning where we're having uh, lunch together up in the park afterwards. I love these mornings, particularly if we've forgotten to get anything for lunch, because it gives me a great excuse to, you know, travel up to Macca's or over here to Carl's Jr. and have some really unhealthy food. So if you, even if you've forgotten to bring any food, you, you're still welcome to come. Just grab, grab something and come join us. <clears throat> We're going to read the rest of Matthew chapter 10 in a moment. Um, but before we get there, I want to say Matthew chapter 10 is a confusing part of the Bible. Uh, it's a passage that's all about mission. Or it's all, all about evangelism. And there's some great stuff in there about mission too, like in verse 7 where Jesus says, As you go proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Great stuff. Or in verse 32 where Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. There's some great stuff in this, in this chapter about mission and We want to apply it to ourselves because it feels just right, doesn't it? Uh, But it's also tricky. It's confusing because there's a bunch of strange things in the passage too. We're going to read read, read some more in a moment. But but in verse 5, Jesus says, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we can't do mission to people who aren't Jewish? Or that verse 8 where Jesus says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. When we go on mission, ought we be expecting to heal lepers and and, and raise the dead as well? How do we get clarity on a passage like this for today? In a moment, we're going to actually read through what Jesus said. But before we get there, I want to make two comments. Here, Here they are. First thing. What we are about to read was not spoken to us. Uh, Jen just read the first few verses of Matthew chapter 10. And and you would have noticed what Jesus is saying, he's saying to the 12 disciples. These are are Jesus' inner circle, his close friends, his ministry trainees. And it's verse 2 to 4, he's very specific about who those 12 are. There was Thomas and uh, 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 Peter and... Did you notice that your name wasn't on that list? And, and my name wasn't either? Verse 5 is very clear. It's to those 12 that Jesus originally spoke these words. That is, what we're about to hear from Jesus is him talking to 12 particular people. It was not originally spoken to us. But secondly, it is written for us. It is written for us. This is still God's word for us today. It may not have been spoken to us, but it is for us. We aren't the 12 disciples that Jesus sent out this particular time. And there are some specific things that Jesus has to say to them 
things that relate to the time they are in and what they were to do in their culture. What we need to do today is not so much get caught up in those specifics, but we need to step back and see the principles that Jesus is giving us, the principles of mission that stand behind all of this. And there really are three of them. So Jen's going to come back out and read the next little bit for us. Um, uh, she's going to read verse 5 to 15, where Jesus really kind of catches us on to the first principle of mission that he wants us to hear. Thanks, Jen. So Matthew 10, 5 to 15. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Sorry, I forgot about my mask. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belt. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. As you read that, there's lots of specifics that Jesus gives his disciples about how they're to do their mission. He says to them, right now, at this point in time, you're to go exclusively to the Israelites. Uh, Early on, he gives them authority over sickness, disease, evil spirits. And so later on, they're supposed to use that. They're not to take their own money, but as they go, they're to be supported along the way. There's even instructions about where to stay and who to stay with and how to know this kind of stuff. Jesus is, is giving very specific instructions for these 12 as they go out on their mission. But do you see the big principle behind this? It's not that we have to learn how to cast out demons before we go on mission. It's not describing how every mission organization has to work or how every Christian has to go about being on mission. The big principle here is be on mission. As you go, go on mission. Mission is to be part of life for all of Jesus' followers, no matter what age we're in. We might not go about it in exactly the same way as they did back then, But that same message is the message that needs to ring out from us. That the kingdom of heaven has come near in the person of Jesus. That Jesus is the one who can bring us back to God. Jesus is is, is that way to heaven and being being, being with the Father. That same message must go out from us as it went out from them. The specifics of their mission were different. But the same principle is true for all of us. We need to be on mission today too. So did you know, if you are here today and you are someone who follows Jesus, did you know you're actually called to be on mission in your life? And did you know that God has actually already given you a mission field to be part of? You don't have to go overseas to be on mission. You don't have to be sent to a particular place to be on mission and have a mission field. Even if you don't realize it, you already have a mission field. Uh, All 
all of us go to different places during the week, right? Uh, maybe you play sports socially. Maybe you are part of a school community where your kids go. Maybe you're in a workplace environment. Maybe you play cards with a group of friends every month. It could even be just as simple as knowing the neighbors that you live around. And wherever it is you go, it's not an accident that you are there. Not an accident. It's not chance. God has put you there. God has put us all in these different places because they are the mission fields that God wants us to be in. So let me urge us all on in this then. Be on mission. As we go out, be on mission. As we do the things we do and as we see the people we see and as we spend time with them, the call here is to be on mission. I'm going to throw to a, a video now. Um, a lot of you will know Joel and Rosie. They're part of our church here. Right now they're out with the uh, kids, doing kids ministry in the, in the room behind us. Um, earlier in the week, though, I caught up with them and I asked them to tell us a little bit about the mission fields that they are part of. Uh, they, check out the video. Here's what they had to say. Uh, so pretty much anywhere where we spend a decent amount of time coming back is what we consider a mission field. So... When we looked at buying a house, we were pretty particular about praying, um, not just for like we needed a house with X number of toilets and that sort of thing, but specifically the neighbourhood that God wanted us to be in. Um, and so we didn't just look at the ritzy neighbourhoods. Um, we, were, we were looking... Not that we could afford those. Anyway. Yeah, not that we could afford those. <laughs> but um, but we, when we finally got given this place, um, we knew that that was instantly, this is our mission field. Um, and so we set about meeting all of our neighbours like we do in um, every time we've moved into a home. We've like sought to know the immediate neighbourhood and share life with them. Other mission fields um, uh, that we consider ourselves in are our, our workplaces. So for me, that's um, uh, at uh, DST Group and also at um, Army Reserves as well. Um, uh, but realising that that was our mission field was probably not... a um, something that I understood from the get-go, probably um, uh, both of us really. Uh, early on in our marriage, we were actually looking um, at overseas mission, um, thinking that, you know, in order to do a mission, you had to go uh, somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, not only did we not feel particularly called to a particular place, like a lot of missionaries talk about being called to a particular place, um, we had no such place that we felt a strong connection to. Um, but also uh, just... Uh, odd things kept getting in the way like um, uh, we'd approach, go to a certain mission organisation and they'd say uh, you know, great that you're a mechanical engineer would you like to take up teaching instead <laughs> and go to this go to this country as a teacher you, you know, you'll need to study for a few more years and we're like, okay clearly this is not what God's got in store for us um, and uh, I think it was at a CU summer encounter type thing where someone pointed out that um well mission is where you are at the time that's that's where god has you um that is your your mission fields and uh um yeah it sort of opened our eyes to look at our workplaces as as the mission field i guess so hey speak for yourself i grew up like that <laughs> some of us take longer than others i guess <laughs> joel has specifically given me space to not have to work um and so I spend a lot of that at school just 
lagging around the gates, um, either before or after school. Um, and there's a lot of people who just need to talk and they just need someone to listen. Uh, um, and so this is our community to love. That's what God gave us um, as a gift. And so we throw ourselves into loving them well. Um, and as we serve them with honesty and integrity, um, they, they warm to us and they want to know why. Um, I'm, I'm on the, the committee um, for the school. Like I got on the school council as a way of serving and loving um, that community. So uh, I do their finances for them. <laughs> it doesn't sound very glamorous. Um, but what it does mean is that um, in doing some of the nitty gritty details, it allows the school to run. Um, but it also means that I get to be amongst the staff and love them well. So, yeah, and, and we're blessed in that too, like the school community. It's not just a one-way thing. Mm. Um, so we love them, we turn up, and they bless us with their friendship. And when we cry out and need help, they turn up too. Being on mission, it's, it's not about being friends with someone just, for the, just so you can convert them and have a win in the Christian world. No. Being on mission, it's about really actually being deeply involved in people's lives, loving people, being friends. And of course, being a true friend will seek the greatest good for someone as well, helping them get to know Jesus. Friends, you see the way that Joel and Rosie have gone. Actually, a lot of the space that they have in life, what, what did Rosie say at the start? Wherever we keep going back to, wherever we're in constant contact with people, that's our mission field. Already, we have our mission fields. With your mission fields, are you on mission there? Jen's going to come back up and read the next chunk of Matthew. This is a larger chunk of Matthew for us. But as Jen reads this, think for yourself. Here's the question to be pondering. What is it like to be on mission in this world? Thanks, Jen. We're looking at Matthew 10, 16 to 39. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Here we see Jesus preparing his disciples for what it will be like when they go on mission. And he says it is going to be tough, doesn't he? Uh, You notice that, right? There's, There's going to be persecution. Officially, the Jewish and Roman leaders won't like you. Unofficially, your family members and groups of friends will turn on you. Divisions will form. Jesus reminds them, though, that this isn't new. This is, this is what happened to him. They saw it happen to him like it happens to the master, so it will happen to the servants. And so he tells them very clearly, here's the thing you need to do. As you endure this, remember, don't fear other people. Fear God. Uh, uh, seek God's approval, not that of others. It's sobering. And... and And again, the specifics might be different today, but the principle remains the same. The world is a tough place to be on mission. The world is a tough place to be in when you're on mission. There are things about our world and society that are different to today than they were back then. You know, I've not been flogged in a synagogue. I haven't been to a synagogue. Um, I've not been arrested for being on mission. Despite most of my family not being Christians... I haven't been disowned by them. However, I do know people who've been flogged for their faith. I do know people who've had to flee for their lives because the authorities were pursuing them simply because they were Christians. I I have a friend whose family wants nothing to do with him anymore just because he's converted to Christianity. This may not happen much in Australia. These friends all had previously lived overseas. But just because it doesn't happen in Australia does not mean it does not happen. It does. The point is not that the precise things Jesus has said will happen to every Christian everywhere at every time. But the point is, the world is a tough place to be in when you're on mission. And that's true even in Australia. So I've seen friends who've been yelled at because they dared to talk about Jesus. I've seen uh, classmates ridiculed by lecturers at universities because of their faith. It's not exactly the same thing that Jesus is talking about. It's not being flogged in a synagogue. But the world is a tough place to be in when you're on mission. I want to read you an excerpt from this book. This book is called Honest Evangelism, written by a guy called Rico Tice. He's a Christian in the UK. Um, and he, he writes and he recalls the experience of what it was like when he became a Christian. He was in high school. 
Um, he'd just become a Christian, and well, this is what it says. He says, Telling other people about Jesus seemed an obvious thing for me to do. But very quickly, I began to be mocked for it. Sometimes there was real hatred. Some of my classmates issued a four-page spoof newsletter targeted at me. Here's a taste from the first edition. He quotes the newsletter. My form of Christianity, muses Rico, consists of making myself look like a total idiot in front of large, intelligent audiences. And later on in the newsletter, Rico, Christianity, you will find, is just a phase you're going through. Don't let other people get caught up in your whirlpool of religious fantasy. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. No, just get lost. In reality, they used a stronger phrase than that. I'd walk into lunch with the butterflies of knowing another newsletter had been sent around. It was horrible. I remember kneeling down by my bed one day and crying. I couldn't believe this was how it had worked out. I'd come to faith in Jesus and thought, this is wonderful. I'd told other people, and they had said, no, this is not wonderful at all. Being on mission in this world is tough. And that's why he calls the book Honest Evangelism. So Rico, the guy who wrote it, this is what he said. Because there's always a suggestion that if you do evangelism in certain ways, or you learn to be charming or funny or interesting as you share the gospel, you can avoid getting hit. I want to be honest. If you tell non-Christians about Jesus, it will be painful. That's what the books don't tell you. He wants to be honest about evangelism. That it can be tough. Not every time. And it's not that that everyone you come across is mean-spirited. Or not that every time you have a conversation about Jesus, it will only go badly all the time. But, But just simply this point. When you're on mission in this world, it is tough. So when I was catching up with Joel and Rosie, I asked them, when this happens, when it's tough, and it is, what keeps you going? Here's what they had to say. I think this is a little bit where Joel and Rosie being different will mean for some very different answers. Um, So I'm kind of a little bit of a bull in a china shop in that um, I'm I'm expecting resistance. um, And so I'm okay when I I meet it. Um, So um, particularly for me, like while I was doing um, mission on campus at uni, so I worked with ES... Um, and particularly at Adelaide Uni, as I walked on, uh, what really helped fuel me for the time that I was going to be there was knowing that um, God had said, had predestined some to love him. Like that, that whole idea of predestination. For me, predestination and free will are both this amazing, encouraging source. So um, predestination means there are some here that God is, has help primed and they are the people that I'm here for and so I go but I don't know who they are so I go and speak to everyone who comes by and kind of looks slightly interested Um, but then also um, free will means that and some will reject that message and so I don't feel um, sorry for crushing that 
Um, I don't feel upset that I haven't done a good enough job if somebody rejects the message. I go, well, okay, well, that's, that, that's their prerogative. Um, but also that's, God has said that that's going to be one of the responses. My job is to tell them. Um, it's up to, to God to do the rest of that. And so I just need to be faithful in that. So Yeah, I think uh, when uh, people um, either reject the message or reject me because of the message, um, take it a bit more personally, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, the encouragement of um, our fellow Christians, really, um, uh, that's uh, in, in those um, particular moments, uh, yeah, people encourage me that, you know, actually, you know, you know doing, doing the right thing um, uh, by sharing it, you're on the, on the right path. Um. I think something that has really always kept me going is that when I was nine, um, so my family were a Christian family, they've always uh, brought me up to know Jesus and to share Jesus. That's just status quo. Um, but when I was nine, I was sharing Jesus with a friend of mine, um, from primary school and we were on her driveway um, and she decided that she wanted to be a Christian. So uh, we prayed together um, and that was when we were nine. And so I, I know that, that there are people who will come to faith. Mm-hmm. And that story has always been, I think, at the, at the, like the cornerstone of my um, confidence in sharing with Jesus and sharing with communities. Like, all I have to do is be faithful and God will do that work. And, and he does it in amazing ways and in amazing times. And I got to play a small part uh, in Bree's life. I'm on. There's heaps of reasons, uh, uh, things that could keep you, keep you going when you're on mission, even though it's hard. And Joel and Rosie had lots more to say as well. Unfortunately, we couldn't fit it all in there. We were chatting for over, you know, 45 minutes. So um, if you want to keep chatting with Joel and Rosie, they'll be back in here after kids' program ends. They'd love to chat more, I'm sure. But what Rosie said right at the end there is really interesting. Um, She talked about uh, her being able to play a role in her friend becoming a Christian. And that's actually where Jesus points us to next. I'm going to invite Jen to come up. She's going to read the last bit of Matthew chapter 10. And as we do, hear the encouragement that Jesus gives us to keep being on mission. Thanks, Jen. Okay, we're at Matthew 10 at the end, 40 to 42. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone even gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Thanks, Jen. We've given you a workout today, haven't we? Um, did you hear what Jesus says there? Why, why it's good to be on mission? What, what, what can keep us going? These verses are all about uh, the disciples, as these 12 disciples, they go out. And it's all about them being received and welcome, and that those who receive them and welcome will get a reward for it. The idea here, though, it's not just, that the, not just about the person, uh, it's not just about receiving a person, though. It's, it's about those who treat the disciples well on the mission. 
Yes, but it's more than that. It's about not receiving just the person, but receiving the message that the person brings. It's about believing what the, the disciples are saying. It's about people starting to follow Jesus for themselves. That's what it means to receive the disciples. As Jesus says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Being on mission is worth it. Because God uses us to bring others to Jesus. I want you to think about this for a moment. If you're someone who follows Jesus. How did you become a Christian? That's a rhetorical thing. I don't want you to yell it out. But think for yourself. How did you become a Christian? What was involved in that story? My guess is here, our stories will vary. Each of us will be have something different about how we became Christians. But I know there's one thing that's going to be the same for all of us. That is that someone spoke to us. God used other people in our lives to bring us to Jesus, right? Even for those of us who grew up as, as Christians in, in Christian families, we still had people, whether it be our parents who told us about Jesus, significant people that God placed in our lives along the way. Because this is the way God works. He uses us to help others become Christians. And this makes it worth it. This, this makes it worth going through tough things and enduring times that, and things that might be thrown at you that you don't really want to go through. It's worth it because God uses us. We may not always see the way God uses us, but we can be assured He does because He tells us that He does. There will be those who receive us. Those who receive our message, who receive Jesus through us and have the life that He brings. I read a book from this book before, Honest Evangelism. I want to read another part. Um, Rico told us how he became a Christian. His classmates mocked him. Uh, but there's more to the story. Let me lead, read to you uh, another part. He writes, That's been my experience. I was hit and hit hard at my school, witnessing hurt. Yet at the same time, God was at work. There was a hunger amidst the hostility, even if I couldn't see it at the time. My schoolboy evangelistic efforts were not very smooth or sensitive, and yet God used them. You've heard my experience of becoming a Christian at school. Here's how one of my contemporaries, Richard, remembers it, and he quotes uh, a letter that Richard sent him. Here it is. I knew Rico at school, though not well. We were in different classes, though he played cricket in the same team. And I distinctly remember Rico's conversion at school. I suspect if you ask most of our contemporaries, they too would remember it, even though it was over 30 years ago. Why was it so memorable? For two reasons. Firstly, the merciless reaction shown towards Rico. The constant public and private attempts to humiliate him and get him to relinquish his newfound faith, which went on for many, many months. Secondly, what really stuck with me was how Rico carried himself during such a difficult time for him. The easy option would have been to turn back or keep quiet, but Rico stuck to his faith and kept talking about his faith. Although I didn't realize this at the time, Rico's conversion and resolute faith sowed the first seed in my mind. Who was it that gave Rico the strength to continue down such a difficult path? It surely could not have done this on his own. That was the first stage in my own journey. 
which many years later led me to Jesus. When I finally accepted Jesus into my life, one of the first things I felt I needed to do was to write to Rico, despite not having been in contact for over 10 years, to let him know how his journey and struggle at school had helped me on my way. Being on mission is worth it because God uses us to bring others to Jesus. So, friends, let's do it. Let's be on mission together. As a church, let's be on mission. And look, the Easter season is upon us. Uh, there's hot cross buns in Woolies. Oh, they've probably been there since Boxing Day, right? Um, it's Easter season. Let's, let's be a church that's on mission this Easter. Let me tell you about some things we're going to do and how you can be involved. Are we going to do a whole bunch of stuff? Uh, first, we're going to do a letterbox drop in our area, right? We want to invite our closest neighbors here at Caracas to join us, to, to come and check out Jesus this Easter. Could you help us do that? In a few weeks, there'll be leaflets there and, and, and maps you can tick off and be part of a, a, do, do a, do a, a loop and, and drop, some letter, uh, drop some leaflets in letterboxes. Then over Easter, we're going to meet twice in the Easter weekend, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Good Friday, we'll have like heaps of hot cross buns for morning tea. Easter Sunday, we're going to do the Easter egg hunt after church. Could you be there for those two church gatherings? And not just be there, but could you look out for newcomers, for visitors, to help them have a really good first encounter of coming along to church? Or maybe, could you invite some of your friends to come along as well? And then after uh, the Easter weekend, for those who come along and who kind of want to, big, want to dig a bit deeper, who want to think hard if Jesus really is for them, if Jesus is who he says he is, we're going to run the Life Series in May. Could you pray for us as we do that? And if you have a friend who might be there thinking about Jesus a bit harder, why not invite them along and come with them? There's lots of things we're doing as a church here all together. But can I say, there's something I want all of us to do. Great to invite the neighbors. Great to do all the stuff we're going to do. Yes, yes, yes. But I want all of us to be personally involved as well. To personally be seeking to be on mission. So here's what I'm going to say. Before Easter, have some friends over for dinner. Between, I've put a couple of dates up there, 26th March, the 3rd of April. Um, I'm going to encourage us all, in that time frame, have dinner with some friends of yours. Why? What are we, what's, what's this about? Well, we want to keep good connections with our friends in church, yes, but we also want to keep good connections with our friends who are outside of church too. So have some of those friends over for dinner. Some friends who aren't from church, have them over for dinner. And I'm talking, I'm talking just have them over for dinner. There is no agenda here. I'm not asking you to do a 30-minute talk about Jesus in front of them. Not, not, it's, not, it's not a bait and switch or anything like that. Just have some friends over for dinner. You know, if the conversation goes to your faith, sure, talk about it. If it's right to invite them along to church for Easter, sure, go for it. But that's not the point in doing this. The point is to grow our connections. We're in communities. We have mission fields already. Grow some connections with some people who are part of your mission field. 
have some friends over for dinner. I've suggested those dates between 26th March and 3rd of April. It's kind of got two weekends and a week in between. I thought that might be um, a, a, a good stretch of time. It'd be good for us to do it together, so we're kind of encouraging one another along. But of course, if there's a better time for you to do it, then choose the better time to do it. I suggested dinner because uh, dinner's often a chance to have a decent hangout. You get to chat for a bit longer when you have dinner. But if dinner doesn't work out for you, try something else, whatever it is. You see the point here, right? It's keeping and growing connections. That's what we want to do. Keeping and growing connections with our friends outside of church. That's the first step to being on mission. Will you take that step with us this Easter season? Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who speaks to us so clearly about mission. And we know this passage can be confusing sometimes. We're not sure what applies to us and what doesn't. But we thank you for the really clear and simple things that you've told us today. That you reminded us to be on mission in our mission fields. You reminded us that even though it's tough, it's worth it. Because you use us to bring others to Jesus. God, we pray that you would. Father, we pray that this Easter season, through letterbox drops and church here and the life series, please use that to bring others to Jesus. And help us grow our connections too, Father. Help us have some friends over for dinner or or find another way to hang out with them so that we can be those who are growing connections, who, who are really actively part of the mission fields we're in, who are true friends. Father, we pray that you would use these friendships for good. Help us love people. Help us be true friends. And help us look for ways in which we can be true friends, in pointing them to the greatest thing in the Lord Jesus. Please help us grow connections this Easter season, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.